welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Good morning. What's happening? What's happening? Catch me up, my friend. What's going on? It seems like a lot of stuff. I have no idea. <laughs> probably, it, probably not really anything. Just regular life feeling like a lot of stuff you got the new one how is that working out how's yeah he's he's doing good um you know just doing all of the regular baby stuff, baby stuff. yeah he's you know very advanced being a baby our our oldest is um she is very much an introvert just like the rest of us but the now middle child is very much not an introvert. And so she she's uh, feeling it a little more than the rest of us, I guess. That's funny. She, instead of normally the introvert would be the odd man out. And in your family, the extrovert's the odd man out. Yeah, really. Like, <laughs> e- even even in the house, we're just like... Can can we just have a minute to ourselves here? <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Any good podcasts you've been listening to or anything? You had a chance to hear any good stuff lately? Um, I don't. I don't know if there's anything new that that you don't know about. You, but uh, no, I'm just. I'm. Did you listen to uh, the Tao of Christ when he was talking about Trump being a Zen master? You thought we? Yeah, I did. We I, we'd mentioned that. <laughs> did you did you listen to the episode? Yeah, I did. Man, that was crazy. That was funny because you know on the podcast, Marla and I had that conversation. Gosh, yeah. right after we started, because she had such a hard time with Trump, and I told her that Trump was her greatest teacher. You know. And, yeah, so it was very similar to uh, stuff I'd heard you talk about. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It was funny, but to hear him go through it, it's like every word, uh, Marshall Davis, every word was painting him. You know, he was he was hurting. <laughs> every word was, <laughs> oh, I don't like this, but I need it kind of thing, you know. And he could see himself in mirrored yeah. back, which is, uh, I think, the real gift. I will, I will say, though, I mean, like for yeah, – yeah. I think that he does he he hits on the thing that is interesting to a certain extent about politics that people usually don't bother thinking about which is like their own personal reaction their own feelings their own you know like um you know how uh, just how they're dealing with it you know um think people are very quick you know on both sides of the aisle to you know try to lump the other camp into good and evil and you know divisive being divisive yeah but also not very uh, not just divisive but divisive in a not very thoughtful way (laughs) you know what I mean like if you're gonna be divisive like you know as my high school math teacher would say, show me your work. Yeah. Like, uh, let, let me know how you got there. Not just like these people all suck. Yeah. You don't agree with me. So you're a racist, you know, <laughs> like, wait a minute. How did you get from, I don't agree with you to the, to that. I'm a racist. I don't understand that, you know, but, yeah. uh, or, you know, the other direction, whatever the case, you know, but, yeah, it was interesting. He was talking about that uh, he sees Trump's ego, and it helps him to see his own ego. Yeah, and well, then, and that and that was the other thing I thought was interesting too. Is I mean, he he seemed uh, like you said, you know, he was pained by it, but it all. But I would also say he seemed genuinely grateful. Like it wasn't just like a mental exercise, you know. Like he seemed. Uh, that that he was really um, grateful for the lessons. It, Trump was truly a gift for him. I think so. So, yeah, I, I would encourage everyone to listen to that podcast. It's the Thou of Christ. 
I need to email him again. He didn't respond the second time I emailed him. Maybe he didn't. I want to check the email I sent, make sure I sent to the right email, or maybe he just doesn't want to. I wanted him to come on and talk to us. We three uh, have a conversation. I thought we could have a good conversation with all the, you know, Christian background me and you have, and of course his background as a pastor and his, all of his journey would be, I think it'd make an excellent conversation, you know? Yeah, it it could be interesting, but I mean, it definitely would be interesting, but you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have high expectations for, you know, other people's schedules. Yeah. Who knows? You know, he, he may be a bigger deal than we're thinking to, to come on with us. You know, we'll see. But, he does uh, have a lot of books. He does, doesn't he? Like, yeah, I was surprised. Speaking of, speaking of, I did. You know, we need one more translation, so I did pick up his uh, "Thou of Christ." Yeah, that one. Yeah. What did you think of that? Have you read much of it? Uh, I've I've read through some of it. Uh, I really the fifty seventh then, because I think that's where we're at, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think that's right. I haven't looked at that one yet. I looked at the first one was really good. Um, let's see. Hey, somebody has told Sensei, somebody's been listening to the podcast because last time Sensei was on, mm-hmm. he talked about that you could be conservative. He said you didn't have to be a liberal to be a Buddhist or to follow Zen. I don't know if I went as far as to say you could be a conservative and follow Zen, but he said you didn't have to be a liberal and follow Zen. I'd have to go back and listen. But there's, there's you know, I don't know if he took it that far, but uh, I, when he said that, I said, hmm, somebody's been listening to the podcast and told him maybe to address that. Who knows? But uh, it was good. I've got a lot of good feedback about uh, Sensei being on uh, yeah, a couple I, weeks ago. I, I haven't really got to, you know, participate very much in those, but I mean, I, I've enjoyed yeah, the ones I've Well, he's going to be on the first uh, Thursday of every month, and we're going to do okay. one verse of the Tao Te Ching every month. So it'll be second verse this upcoming month. So 57, why don't you read that for us? You you want to start with the, the Christ one? Yeah, why don't, of we, Christ. why don't we do that this time? All right. Being crazy. Yeah. Uh, number 57, lead with righteousness. Use power with great care. People's hearts are not won by force. How do I know this? This is the way of God. The more rules you have, the more people will break them. The more wealth you have, the more covetous people will be. The more threats you make, the more insecure people will feel. A wise leader will lead by example. She will lead quietly. People will be quiet. She will live frugally, and people will be content. She will live a godly life, and people will be godly. I'll read Stephen Mitchell's translation. If you want to be Mm -hmm. a great leader, you must learn to follow the Tao. Stop trying to control. Let go of fixed plans and concepts, and the world will govern itself. The more prohibitions you have, the less virtuous people will be. The more weapons you have, the less secure people will be. The more subsidies you have, the less self-reliant people will be. Therefore, The master says, I let go of the law and people become honest. I let go of economics and people become prosperous. I let go of religion and people become serene. I let go of all desire for the common good and the good becomes common as grass. It's almost like what it reminded me of was when you when you roll dice and you let the dice go. You only have a little bit of control. When you let go, they do whatever they're going to do. Kind of the same kind of idea. In it's interesting. It says stop trying to control, and then it works out the way that you would have wanted, or the way it would need to be. Let go of the law, and people become honest. 
let go of economics and people become prosperous. Let go of religion and people become serene. Let go of all desire for the common good and the good becomes common. That force, I guess that yeah. idea of force. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of that there. Mm-hmm. Now, this is why I think Lao Tzu was a libertarian. The more subsidies you have, the less self-reliant people will be. That that's a that's a liber- that's a conservative thought. Anyway, sure. <laughs> I see those things speckled out through here, you know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Sure. Uh, it's, it's conservative. It's arguably not Republican. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not Republican. No, 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 no. I would never. No, absolutely not. That's two totally different things. Uh, Fair he enough. would be against the political agenda on, in either of our current parties because it's all agenda. It's all pulling the strings and the magic trick, you know, keeping you occupied while they continue with their power and money trying to stay elected and in control. So I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm into politics. I shouldn't have done that. Well, it's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I agree that, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard not to talk about sometimes just given the nature of our current world, you know, I mean, it's so, you know, how, I mean, it just feels like you're constantly like being bombarded with, you know, you have to pick a side, you have to, uh, you know, are you for us or against us? And, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's, it's really hard not to read some politics into some of this stuff. Here's uh, Jonathan Starr's translation. All right. To rule the state, have a known plan. To win a battle, have an unknown plan. To gain the universe, have no plan at all. Let the universe itself reveal to you its splendor. How do I know this should be so? Because of this. The more restrictions, the more poverty. The more weapons, the more fear in the land. The more cleverness, the more strange events. The more laws, the more lawbreakers. Thus the sages say, act with a pure heart and the people will be transformed. Love your own life and the people will be uplifted. Give without conditions and the people will prosper. Want nothing and the people will find everything. Yeah goes back to that whole idea of uh, getting out of the way, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, my biggest problem uh, is that I'm in my way, not that I have to accomplish something, that I'm preventing the accomplishment by having my fingers in it. Well, here, let's look at the, uh, the Mitchell commentary, see how short it is. If it says anything at all. Okay. Uh, The world will govern itself. Just as nature regulates itself without any need of our bright ideas. Okay. That was it. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It is interesting because... I mean, I know you mentioned not talking about politics because, <laughs> but, well, I'm I'm not I, I'm not. We can um, talk about it if you want to talk about politics. We can talk about politics. I don't care. Well, it's not it's not to talk about politics. It's just that, it, well, only in a more only in the more general sense that like, like, it seems like a lot of these verses, and in fact, the Tao Te Ching, from my understanding, was written as a, a sort of a, a guide for rulers. You know what I mean? Right, right. And we've t- we've taken this as like, you know, you can um, 
even though it was written for the ruler of a, of a country or a state or a region or whatever it was, um, even though it was written in that context, you can take it and apply it, you know, on a personal level, you're the ruler of your own life, you know, but, um, it is hard to read some of this stuff and think, well, you know, is the government doing it right? You know? Well, this is the thing. Or how would that work? It's not real hard not to talk about politics when we do the podcast, you know, because I don't want to alienate anyone because it really, you know, it's not about alienation. It's, it's about getting rid of that divisiveness, you know? And so I think you're right though. Uh, he's given some rules that can be applied on several different levels, can be applied right. personally, could be a, applied in relationships, could be applied in business, could be applied governmentally, all. So, right. you know, it, it can be applied on all those levels. And And I think the important thing with all of this, and I was in my Buddhist meeting the other night, <laughs> and... Uh, under and I'm understanding that you know if we take it to the level under our political opinions, let's say our political opinions are high and we're getting down to our base roots of of our beliefs and things, everyone right. is just pursuing what they feel is best, whatever that is. No one's pursuing what they feel is worse for them. They're always pursuing what they feel is best. So, you know, that helps me not to be so divisive of them wrong and me right. It's neither because we're both right and we're both wrong. And we're both, you know, if you're looking at two opposing ideas on politics, let's say. And if I remember that everyone is doing what they feel is right for them anyway, Uh, regardless of what they believe or what they're pursuing. Even if they're, you know, a rioter burning down the city, they feel it's the right thing for them to do. So no matter what they're doing, you feel it's the right thing. So I can, I can get down to a level of commonality there. Yeah, that, that definitely gets at that. Like we're all actually really connected kind of idea, you know? And that, that's the whole, for me anyway, some of my notes on this chapter from previous conversations, one was allowing rather than interfering. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big theme on yeah. this. You know, how am I interfering in my life or in my family? How am I enabling? How am I controlling? Yeah. When and I want to find and push the limits, you know, I want to control all I can get away with. And in you know, in doing so, when I do that push, I'm pushing that pendulum out, it's gonna come back. And I'm gonna yeah. get attacked. You know, people are gonna to try to control me. That's yeah. the opposite of that's you know and that's kind of the same thing here, I think, where he's saying, I let go of the law. And people become honest. You know, mm-hmm. I quit trying to control financially and people become prosperous. I let go of religion trying to force rules and people become serene. Yeah. It's like when we give people room, enough emptiness, then they're able to find their own way rather than us trying mm-hmm. to push them in a particular direction. I think it's the same with us. You know, if I, leave enough emptiness, enough of that don't know mind, that beginner mind in a situation, then I leave room for the right answer to show itself. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, on like a, you know, they're talking about like making the rules and stuff. I mean, on a parental level, for instance, I've, sometimes I've wondered with like with my kids, if I've so in, in like making rules for them, you know, like don't, 
uh, you know, don't, I don't know what off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, like don't spill that glass of water, you know what I mean? Which is not like a rule. It's not like a family rule. Like don't, you know, nobody's allowed to spill water, but if I, you know, you see them acting in a way that they're like about to spill a cup of water or something, then you're like, don't, don't spill the water. Some, sometimes, or, or they're not even acting that way yet. You know what I mean? Like they're just in a scenario where like you see it and you're like, it could, they're, they're going to spill the water. You know what I mean? But I've wondered if, you know, in saying that so emphatically, like don't spill the cup of water. If I've, uh, if I've created the very scenario I'm trying to avoid, you know what I mean? Because now they're in this, like, like I've got to be so careful and I've got to not do this and not do that. When, if they just picked it up and walked across the room with it, like they normally would, then, uh, you know, without worrying, am I going to spill it? Am I going to spill it? Am I going to spill it? You know, they, uh, then, you know, we all would have been better off. Hmm. Yeah, we, we don't know how much of our control has contributed to outcomes we were not happy with. Yeah. I imagine a lot. I'm looking at the star, make my own translation. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just going through this interfering, stop trying to control, stop interfering, yeah. meddling doing busyness activity trying to control everything striving involvement stop all that and become the master of the universe whoa amen talk to me who is the master of the universe the one that stops interfering and meddling and doing and trying to control everything and striving is the master. Weapons, sharper weapons, create greater chaos. People abound in cunning when that one's not making sense. Let's see. Laws increase. Might have froze up for a second. It arises. When, when laws increase, criminals appear. Thus, the holy man practices no action. Yet, the people spontaneously transform. Stay quiet. Settle down. Oh, oh this is where that saying, oh, okay, uh, where it talks about the people spontaneously adjust or become righteous. Uh, there's another mm-hmm. phrase for that that says they settle down into their regular grooves. That's near the end there, that second mm-hmm. to the last, where it says, I let go of economics and people become prosperous. Um, yeah. And what what that, what they said that means is they settle down into their grooves. It's like getting on the road. Where, you know, the road the, had wagon grooves in it where ruts where people had traveled on the road. So once you got in the road and you got the rut, got in the ruts, the wagon took care of itself. You didn't have to steer. You didn't have to do anything. And it would just stay in the ruts as the horse pulled yeah. them along or their, whatever they were, you know, ox or whatever they use. So what it's saying is that the, the, uh, the holy man, the sage, practices non-action and spontaneously everyone finds their groove they find their rut i thought that that's real good yeah I, i'm glad i opened yeah, this yeah, up. Yeah, i'd forgotten yeah. about that non-interfering the people lose all expectations and spontaneously return to the good and simple life that's the end there that just reinforces the fact that my effort should be in getting out of the way rather than making something happen 
that I'm actually my my own problem, my own worst enemy. Is that how it was? I used to hear it said. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. <laughs> Get out of the way. This really is more. I had a good conversation with Don M the other day from the Boiled Owl podcast. Uh, he listens to us, and we were talking about uh, Dao Te Ching and talking about effortless effort. Yeah. And that's what this is talking about, I think, is finding real effort, you know, what that looks like. And we were talking about how the, you know, when we hear non-action, we think about not acting, right? I mean, that's all you would think. That's, I mean, honestly, that's all you could think about at first. But the more you study it, the more it appears that it's anything but non-action. It's definitely action, but it's selfless action, not selfish action. Yeah. You know, it's not action with ulterior motives or action that's uh, got some agenda. And it looks like... I wonder if you could say the... The most natural action. Yes. That's where I was going, Zachary. Um, yeah. that, that, that when we get rid of, uh, Joko Beck said that when you get rid of self, all that's left is compassion. You know, get rid of selfishness. Yeah. That an sure. ego, the only thing left to do is love. That that's what's yeah. left. That may be part of what this is saying, too, that when... Uh, when we surrender a little bit of selfishness and surrender our ego, what's really trying to come out of us is good. I think too, it ties in nicely with the whole um, meditation thing. You know what I mean? The uh, just uh, the effortless effort. If you look at, you know, breath, for instance, that's not a non-action, but it's also, not a um it's also something you're you know not something that you're thinking about a lot it's a natural action yeah not that you can't think about it i mean you can but you know but it but it is a it's something you can do without effort if you stop thinking about it it will continue right yeah it's just that it, it it is interesting because you're just like, yeah, I'm going to work on my breathing. So you sit here and you, you know, you do whatever you're going to do and you, you practice it and then, okay, you practiced. And when you're done practicing, just keeps right on going. You know, That's a good example of uh, effortless effort though. I mean, we breathe. Our body's working, our lungs are working, our heart's working, pumping the blood that's taking the oxygen all throughout our body, but yet we're not physically having to force that or or exert, you know, really extra effort for that. And if we stop thinking about it, it's going to continue. So maybe these areas of our life, that we've always pushed, pushed, pushed are a lot the same way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my answer to, well, what do we do? Okay, well, if I'm not supposed to be pushing, I've got to be doing something. What is it I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. And I think it may be doing a lot of the same things, but doing it with a different attitude, maybe from a different motivation. For example, with your kids, you're still correcting your kids. You're still parenting. You're not parenting any less. Yeah. But yet you're doing it from a place of love rather than a place of fear. That would be the difference. And I think that when we're, doing things from a place of love, we can move into that effortless breathing place, you know, that it's just happening without our extra push, no matter what it is we're talking about, 
because we can take any action that we do and do it from a place of fear or a place of love. I can, you know, I can help my wife and unload the dishwasher Mm -hmm. out of anger or fear that she wouldn't be happy with me, or I can do it because I love her and I want to help. Yeah. Actions might look exactly the same. Yeah. Maybe that's the difference. Yeah. And I, and to go back to the, the, the breath analogy, I don't, I don't think that there, I don't think there's anything wrong with practicing that. You know what I mean? Like you, you want to put this pressure on yourself to be like, it should be the most natural way or the most, you know, it should just be happening. Like if you really, if you really love somebody or you really, you know, you're, you want to say you're doing it from a place of love that, you know, there's this, um, I think that there's somewhat of this idea expectation that, that it would just happen without you thinking about it, you know? And I don't, I don't know that that's really the case, you know? Well, you know, love is a, takes effort. It still takes action. You still have to do, you're not doing nothing. Yeah. Who's happy doing nothing anyway. I never enjoy doing nothing you know i mean i'm always doing something if i even if i'm laying on the couch i'm watching a movie i'm doing something yeah so it's not about a whole life of doing nothing but i think it's from a whole life of moving our motivation up the ladder because i definitely enjoy what i'm doing out of love when i don't enjoy what i'm doing out of fear it's really not the action that causes my peace. It's where I'm doing that action from. You know, what? where my place of, uh, where I'm at emotionally. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference, like we learned from Hawkins. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess if you move that up to out from personal to work or governmental it would be on the line of well like with my son i love him enough to give him room to make mistakes so i don't try to control every move he makes now my control would be with money or whatever you know that i could control him i don't do that and i'll give him room to figure things out for himself yeah. So it's that kind of an attitude I I would think. I love him enough not to interfere. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And these are all just really examples of interfering. Yeah, and that I I think that that's that at least for me brings up you know talking about your kids cuz I mean your kids are obviously in a different place than mine are. Uh d- you know, being older. Um, but, uh, it, does, it makes it, it makes you question your, you know, question yourself a lot. Um, like a lot of the things that you want that you expect out of them, like you tell yourself, like I'm teaching you to become a, you know, a, a responsible citizen or a healthy adult or a happy, well-adjusted individual or any of these things that you, you tell yourself that you're trying to teach them. But it, uh, but sometimes it's just like, I mean, if you're really honest with yourself, a lot of times the stuff you tell them is I don't feel like dealing with any of this stuff right now. And I want you to deal with it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't, I'm tired of stepping on the Legos and I want you to pick them up. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. I thought my job was to train my children for life. And what I realize now is my job really was to be a loving father and show them how a loving father behaves. Yeah. Which is totally different. You know, a lot of it's the same. But it's not about making everything a lesson. Yeah. It's not about, you know, I don't have to make sure and prepare them for life. Really, the most important thing I can do is love them 
and whatever it is I'm doing, love them. Yeah. And then the rest of it takes care of itself. Yeah. I'll make the right decisions. If it's out of love, I'll give them the right room, you know, amount of room, you know, out of love. If I'm trying to do that rather than control, Mm -hmm. think I know best because I have to approach and it changes as, you know, as the kids get older, you know, it all changes every, uh, every phase of growth. It changes. Yeah. Allowing rather than interfering. And that takes a lot more trust to allow than to control. You know, because controlling you, you, you can kind of stay in charge and you don't, you know, you can stay on top of things. And when you're, when you're allowing and you're letting go, there's a lot of, uh, takes a lot more faith and trust that things are going to work out like they're supposed to, like nature's going to take care of itself. Like this mm-hmm. talks about, because if you're constantly controlling, you never, you never let go enough to, to be at any kind of place of peace. You're fixing it all the time and they never find that groove, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I do wonder some, so not not to turn it not to turn it back around to politics too quickly. Go ahead. Go ahead. But uh I I well, so I like the idea of like this is uh this is how um you know, you're talking about like letting go as a as a parent. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and allowing, you know, allowing your kids, you know, room to, you know, make their own mistakes and, and and things like that. And I know it's easy to like, as a, as a parent, that makes, that makes some sense, you know, to me, like I can, I can look at that and say, yeah, that's, that makes sense. But then like, I'm not just a parent. I'm, I'm also, I'm also a kid. You know what I mean? Like I have, I have my own parents and, uh, and you look back at, you know, so, so you think something like that, it, it's just interesting to, well, I guess what I'm wondering is like, you know, how do you turn that around and say, you, these people that are over me, what, you know, why are, why aren't they doing it the way they should be doing it? You know what I mean? Like, like this seems like it makes sense for me and, and my kids to, but the people that are over me, parents, which my parents are not really over me at the moment, but, but, but you get the analogy, you know what I mean? Um, well, we do. It's, it's just so, it's so easy to turn around and look and say, okay, Okay, so this is what the you know this is what the Dow's saying about you know parenting or government or or whatever, and so this is the way they should be doing it. Um, and then they may or may not be doing it that way. I just uh, you know, um, I don't know. Just you know, questioning you know how how you deal with some of that you know. Well, first of all, I know I can't control what they do. So the, yeah, yeah. the control part of it, I try to try to accept them as they are, that they're doing all the best they know to do. And you have to have that same attitude in both directions of relationships, you know. I have to have the same attitude toward my parents that I have toward my kids. It's, you know, how can I love them today? Yeah. And if I can stay there, the rest of that takes care of itself, you know. But that's tough because it's the same thing of allowing and not interfering because I can try to control my parents just like I can try to control my kids. I mean, we've had, I know of friends that have family members that, try to control every little thing that happens. You know, I've got some friends that have one, one member of the family that controls 
tries to control everything. I mean, puppeteer the every get together, everything that's happening, and manipulate the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And they just have to let go of it and just do their part and stay out of the way because that can eat your lunch just like your children can. Sure. And then in our, in our family, you know, we've got other relatives that have tried to really be involved in my kids' lives. And when my kids didn't do what they wanted, man, they just got all upset and just stirred and, you know, like happens a lot, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, you just have to, you know, pay attention to it. Nothing you can do about it, but just be glad I'm not them. <laughs> you know, be glad I'm not letting, you know, when, you know, if one of my kids does something that I think's wrong or that they shouldn't be doing. I mean, they're adults now. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. So, you know, so I can, you know, I can find, I have a little piece that, you know, it's going to work out like it needs to let nature take its course. Sure. In other words, like this is talking about. I wonder, yeah, absolutely. Like we have to leave room for nature, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder if if Lao Tzu had all of this good advice for governing, why didn't he get involved in government? (laughs) Or was he? I don't know. I think he was a lot, well, not a librarian, but he he took care of the books for his uh, like all of the ancient teachings for uh, his Lord or whatever their title was at that time. I think that's what he did. Now, they came and talked to one of the stories is Chonksa, one of his disciples. About coming and working for the government mm-hmm. and he refused. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I remember that. about the turtle. Some something with the turtle, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's something about a turtle rolling in the mud. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, turtle enjoying the mud. Why would he ever want to leave? You know, kind of thing. Yeah. So he he knew better, and I think from the story with Lao Tzu was he was retiring. Maybe he was fed up with the whole thing and just left. And so. So and they yeah. caught him on the way out, and that's the story whether he was retiring or just he was retired, whatever reason he was retiring. So who knows? But, and you know, and then I can see. So, there, so there's some, uh, to use the, to use the turtle analogy. So there's some, there's some turtles out there that, that don't need any of this. They're just, uh, they, they've already mastered it. They're just, they're just not in government. Yeah, and the ones that have that are really doing this, I think, are the ones that are unassuming that we would never know. You know, the one we pass at Walmart that we don't envy. You know, (laughs) some of them are some of the sages. You know, that we just don't. uh, They're not floating along with robes on and the whole. You know, that whole deal. Yeah, I've always thought it's really hard. Like. I've just never really understood how people run for office. You know what I mean? Like I don't, anybody that will put themselves up in front of people and say, you, you should elect me. And these are the reasons why I almost automatically don't trust that person. You know, it it doesn't matter who they are like that, that, that already is such pride, you know, such lack of humility that, uh, that I'm like, why, why would you run? How are you going to run things? <laughs> you know what I mean? I've, I've read about several stories of, and I, I think people get there for a couple of different reasons. One's, you know, that ego that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's some people that go that legitimately want to make a difference, want to change things. And they mm-hmm. usually don't last, but if they get elected, they usually don't last, but, one or two terms when they realize it's impossible <laughs> and they get aggravated and go back home. Uh, that happens a good bit. That happens a lot. 
and they're really sincere and they have the best of motives, but they see they can't because if they don't get in step with what their party wants, they, you know, they, they can't get anything done. So they have to, they have to sacrifice their uh, morals to, you know, and the things that they uh, believe in a lot of times to be able to, and carry toe the party line or they're not going to get on any committees. They're not going to be able to do any kind of work that makes any difference at all. And then I think what feeds into that for me, Zach, is just a distrust of the government. I just have a total distrust. If I believe, if they tell me it's black, I automatically think it's white. They do not get the benefit of the doubt because of all the things that I believe that they've lied to us about in the past. So when they tell us to do one thing, I'm thinking, mm, that don't make sense to me. I don't know about, about aliens that. now. Do what? I said, are we talking about aliens now? No, <laughs> not really. Just, just in general. Just, I mean, everything from the Kennedy assassination, you can go back that far, yeah. you know, and look and say, you could look at the film and tell what they said happened. Didn't happen. You know, just from the trajectory <laughs> of the body, you know, you can just tell. And so I'm thinking, well, from that, all the way forward, all kinds of things that we're told, then we find out it's different later and it's on and on and on and on. But uh, I was on a, I was going overseas and sat beside a couple of people from the Netherlands and they'd been over here tracing the walking dead. They were big walking dead fans. And okay. <laughs> one of the, the guy was an engineer and I think his wife was a school teacher in Amsterdam or somewhere. And they asked me, we had a long flight, you know, all the way back to Europe. And they said, let me ask you, what is the fascination with guns in the United States? You know, they were just all interested in that. And I realized something that I'd never seen before. They trust their government to take care of them, to look out for their best interest. I don't trust my government. Now I don't have a bunch of guns, but I can understand why, you know, why people want guns. And I can understand why we don't have as much restriction on abortion either because it's the same idea from both sides is that if we give a little bit of room, they're going to take more room. So mm-hmm. they believe that on the side of, you know, of, you know, who wants thinks late term abortions is good. I don't think it's good. I don't think anybody does, but right. they're afraid if they give an inch, the government's going to take a mile, you know, same yeah. with is, you know, uh, background checks. Good. Of course it is. But if background checks are allowed, then they're going to want more than that. They're going to want you to register your guns and they're going to want this, you know. So it's the same distrust from both sides. So it's uh, how did we get that far off? I'm sorry. You. My apologies, but. uh, Well, I don't know that we're that. I don't know that we are that far off. I mean, you're so you're sure. I think you're. Uh. The person you were talking about asking about the fascinations with guns. I mean, it's right here in this this verse. The more weapons you have, the less secure people will be. Yep. And uh, I don't. That's one of those things where, like, if you'd caught me, you know, several several years ago and asked me that, I remember well. I don't know. I don't want to get down too too far down the wrong rabbit trail, but I had a I'd wound up in a conversation with a friend of mine uh, talking about you know he was talking about basically gun control you know and, and and just to be upfront I don't have a strong position on gun control but I think it's um. I do think the, the that on a personal level, the the questions that it brings up are interesting. You know, in, in the same you know to to go back to the Trump thing with at the beginning. You know, he can, you know, any anything that causes you discomfort can be a good can be a good teacher. You know, yes. And um, so, you know. Basically, I was, you know, he was saying, like, we have too many guns. And I'm like, guns don't create violence. You know, they, you, a gun doesn't shoot anybody by itself. It never does. 
Like if you, you lay a gun in a chair and it's just going to sit there in the chair until somebody comes and picks it up. Got to have somebody doing it, you know? And then, and his response was basically that that, I mean, he didn't call me an idiot or anything, but he was like, you know, he was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. But the thing, the very, the very act of having a gun is, is an action, you know, and, and whatever your reasons for getting it are, you know, if it's self-defense or, or whatever it is, then you, know, you have to immediately put yourself in this mindset of like, what are the circumstances where I'm going to shoot somebody? You know what I mean? And, uh, and, uh, and I'm not saying that, that that's a decision that sh- you know, that people shouldn't think about that. But again, if we're talking about awareness, it's worth being aware that that's what you're thinking about, you know? And, um, I don't know. It was just interesting. I'm, I, and again, like I, I'm not trying to say I have a, I I don't have a firm opinion, but it's my opinion now is less firm than it used to be. Yeah. Mine too. Mine too. I was raised with a lot of firearms. Yeah, I was raised with a lot of firearms. We we hunted, and I was raised on a little hog farm. So, you know, if you had a dog that got sick, which gun have you not shot lately? Mm-hmm. Go out in the woods, you shoot the dog, and you use the gun you haven't shot lately. You know, that kind of a thing. Just very, yeah. you know, as a matter of fact, kind of living. So, yeah. Um, we had, but most of our guns, we had very few pistols most things were for hunting uh, but i have a target pistol and a couple of pistols for uh, security but I, I used to carry when i had a lot of not more rental houses i don't carry anymore i let my my license expire my carry permit expire and i decided that uh i came to a point i said you know am i going to trust god or am i going to be in fear all the time with my hand on my pistol in my pocket, you know? And I said, nah, I said, I'm going to trust God with this, not do foolish things, but you know, I'm not going to think I'm the one that's protecting me. Yeah. And kind of, I kind of took that up a step a few years ago. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, I, I think that uh, this idea though, Zach, that we're talking about of allowing rather than interfering and it has to start with us. I think it has to start with us personally in what we allow in our life and what we try to interfere and control yeah. and try to move toward letting the control hands off of things and letting them find their way. It's like holding the, you know, the, the inflated ball under the water and trying to hold it in one spot instead of just letting it go and let it find its path instead mm-hmm that kind of a thinking in different things in our life and give room for uh, things to seek their own place and their own level, I think works a lot better. And that's a lot of what I think he's talking about here. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a, you know, there's a level of uh, connectedness, you know, where you, where you start to put together the fact that, you know, there's not really a lot you can do uh, to be, to be in charge of things. You know, there's a lot of things that you can tell yourself as like a, you know, as a pacifier, you know, uh, that, you know, I'm going to, that will, you know, they might make you feel better for a little bit. uh, But, but carrying a gun doesn't, guarantee that you're protected you know what i mean you know and i was thinking about just as an analogy i mean you could apply it to anything yeah i was thinking about the vulnerability that comes with letting go yeah yeah absolutely and that there's power it's the paradoxical power of vulnerability really yeah that is that's the thing that's the whole thing is that when we are able 
to let go, there's this power that comes when I refuse to control that's greater than any accomplishment I can make from control. Yeah. Yeah, that whole, that man, the, the power is a good phrase. The power of vulnerability is, uh, I mean, that's almost every verse in here. You know what I mean? That's, that's the whole, uh, you know. Really, that's what he's doing in every verse is saying is becoming vulnerable. Yeah. Stop trying to control. Let go of fixed plans. And the world will govern itself like nature. Yeah, they talk about, you know, like flexible things, not breaking. Um, Let go of the law and the people become honest. Let go of religion and people become serene. That's vulnerability. It's vulnerable when you, you know, and that's what I'm not going to slam church today. But I know a part of that, you know was just trying to keep everyone under control too and yeah. not knowing how to let people find their own path <laughs> you know yeah 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 and, and if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt and and you and and we can you know uh you could even it it's certainly not in every case this uh like malevolent, manipulative, like I've got to control everybody. It's more, it can very easily be more of a, like when people act in predictable ways, you know, I feel more secure. Yes. It goes back to this fear. Really it's more of a fear of losing control than it is a fear of, uh, than it is imposing control. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That is this fear of of things getting out of control that causes us to to hold on and to grasp. Yeah, I mean, another that that is like the fear of losing control. That is that is the definition of vulnerability. Yes. Um, that that's that's exactly what that is, and that's the whole. I don't know, man. That that's that's the entire exercise of any legitimate spiritual discipline, you know, is figuring that out, I guess. And, you know, and I think that really in a nutshell is what I've learned in the last three or four years, especially. Yeah. Is how to be vulnerable, how to be okay with not having the answers, how to be okay with being out there, you know, feeling like you're unprotected. That kind yeah. of a feeling, you know, not not being able, not being so secure as I used to be, and you know, have everything figured out, and have plan after plan, have plan A, plan B, plan C, and you know, all these things, and being vulnerable enough just to step out sometimes yeah. without all that security that I used to think I had. Just asking yourself, like, you know, what what could happen if things don't work the way I think they're supposed to work? You know, like what, what, you know, what if I, what if I don't put forth the effort to make every, you know, to complete my vision of life, you know, the way I think everybody should be, or as AA might say, you know, just letting go of outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. The power of vulnerability. And that's there's a there's a whole lot in just just that phrase, man. A whole lot. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, Zach, life seems to be moving more and more in that direction. Just a more and more vulnerability, not less. Yeah. And I think that's where, for me, that I'm supposed to be is, you know, less having it figured out and okay with. It's almost the real definition of that living by faith phrase. Yeah. You know, much more so than, uh, than what I used to think that was. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and just as an, like an example, 
and, and this, this is not to not to harp on the gun thing. I'm not going to criticize anybody for carrying, but like in, in your particular case, you know, when you decided not to, all of a sudden you physically became lighter. You know what I mean? It's, it's one less thing to, to, to pick up, to, to carry, to, you know, one less thing of like something else I have to do, you know? Yeah, it was, uh, for me, it was a good move. I don't go a lot of places anymore that where my life's really at risk. I used to work in places that were pretty rough and I had rental in some places that if I was there, I was either fixing to pick up cash or I had just picked up cash, one or the other. But I don't have those now. So it's it's a little, you know, I, I live a safer life than what I used to. There's no reason for me to carry a pistol when I go get groceries. <laughs> you yeah. know, that kind of a thing, you know. And I said, yeah, no, well, I don't want to trust myself for my security. I said, I'm just, I'm going to trust God with that. Yeah. I don't need to carry a pistol when I go to Ingalls, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I'm not, and just, just to be clear, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, pick on people that feel like they want to. No, not at all. Wanna, not at all. Want to carry. No. It's just such a very physical example, you, you know, of the spiritual things that we're, you know, trying to, trying to get across, you know, just like, you know, how, how many things do I feel like I have to be in charge of, you know, that if I don't do it, it won't get done. If I don't, you know, um, if I, if I don't make things be the way that I want them to be, then, then life's not going to work out. I don't know. Yeah. I used to carry a pistol in my pocket. Like people carry a, a, a pocket knife. Yeah. First uh first rehab I went to, they asked if I'd ever considered committing suicide. I said yes. <laughs> How? I said with a firearm. They said, Do you have a firearm on you? They're just going down the list, you know, and I said, yeah. Yes, because I had my pocket pistol. And they sure. their eyes got big and they left the room, right? And I was like, Oh <laughs> shit, they're fixing to come back with the you know, the big old yeah. guys, you know. And I jumped out, I left. I went through an exit and got out of there. Uh, wow. I knew what was coming next, you know, and because I didn't have it there on purpose. I mean, it wasn't, I just carried it all the time. So I had it on me. Didn't even think about it. Yeah. And, uh, well, that, that, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it was funny though. They called me and said, you can come back. I said, no, nah, it's okay. And uh, it was another year, I think, before I went to another one. But uh, those, those checklist questions though. are the worst. Yeah. Those checklists of questions are the worst, man. <laughs> yeah, they said what, and their eyes got big, and they. Uh... I was uh, I was pulled over by a cop one time, and uh, I mean, you're talking about just just a pocket knife, you know? Uh, they, and again, I, I don't need to relive the whole story. There, there was, there was no drugs or alcohol involved, but. Uh, but I was pulled over and I was pulled out of the car and I was, you know, uh, frisked. And, uh, the, uh, the lady, she was like, do you have any weapons on you? I said, I have, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a pocket knife. And she like threw me up against the car and patted me down. And I was like, Whoa, take it easy. <laughs> I got have uh, a hell file. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I just, I just told you, I told you about it. It wasn't a threat. <laughs> you asked me a question and I answered it. And now, now I'm a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> They're okay. afraid. They're afraid. Yeah. It's fear. And this, this was years ago, years and years ago. Not, you know, so not, you know, not even nowadays. I, God, be scared that's, that's, <laughs> in her situation that was controlled because of fear you know yeah she was afraid she, you were going to cut her yeah i'm like it takes me a minute to open this thing up don't worry about it and, and you're telling her about it it's not like <laughs> i'm getting out my knife and i'm going to cut you you know yeah that's it good my funny. friend thank you anything else yeah uh, make it tomorrow yeah what's happening tomorrow 
Oh, the yeah, the Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I haven't even read the story yet. Have you? No. I've got to look at the story. I, I know I printed it off, but I haven't read it yet. I'm going to have to look at it. I try not to do too much in advance on those. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like I feel like the Dow verses are a little little easier. Some of the some of these longer stories, you gotta might not hurt to think about it for a minute. Yeah, but you know, but we have to come at it with that same don't know mind. Well, yeah, sure. And that uh, that's why I try not to look at it weeks in advance and study it out and have a lot of different references and things because I want to come at it from. Leave, well, leave the same openness that this is talking about. Yeah, sure. Because this is talking about that very same thing. When I when we read a story or read a chapter or verse, and we can come at it from that don't know attitude, leave some openness there. I think that's what that's when we can really see the real uh, wisdom that can be here. Just like in med- that's what meditation does for me. It creates the openness that I'm able to sit and not be carried away by my thoughts. I'm able to let my thoughts go and able to be okay with my thoughts enough to where they don't take me off. Cause it really is about allowing them. And when I, once I allow them and quit resisting them, they just flitter away. I don't have to go somewhere else. If I quit pursuing them, they quit pursuing me. Same kind of yeah. thing. I think there's an aspect of that in all of this. Good stuff. Thank you, man. Absolutely. You good? I'm good, man. We'll see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. See you then. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.